0: Open your Bibles, if you will, this morning to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. We're going to read verses 19 through 22. Colossians 19, Colossians 1 rather, 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Father, I pray now your blessing upon your word. I pray that you might open our hearts and our minds to see wondrous things out of your word today. Do in our midst that that only you can do. And get glory unto yourself, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. And I want to kind of concentrate my, my thinking upon verse number 21. Where he says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works... Yet now hath he reconciled. And that, of course, is not the end of the sentence. There's not even a punctuation mark at the end of that verse. Uh, because it just keeps on going there. But I want to stop reading there. Because I want to deal with this subject and a topic this morning. Which I don't do that very often, but every once in a while I will. I want to deal with the subject of reconciliation. I want to talk about that for a while this morning. And um, I realize that uh, some some would say, well, you're preaching to the choir. And I recognize that uh, uh, for the most part, everyone here knows the Lord. I, I recognize that. But we need to be reminded, not only of what God has done for us, but we need to be reminded of... Uh, of what he expects of us because of what he has done for us. And this subject of reconciliation deals not only with what he has done for us, but what he expects of us because of what he has done for us. And so I want to deal with that for just a little bit this morning. We'll talk first of all about the meaning of reconciliation. The meaning of reconciliation. Now this There are three words in the New Testament that are used uh, very generally to deal with the subject of the new birth. That deal with our salvation. We use the word regeneration. The word regeneration speaks of uh, the maternity ward. It talks about the new birth. It talks about reproduction. It talks about renewal, uh, recreation, not recreation, but recreation. It talks about regeneration. in uh, uh, the word of God, and Titus, by the way, that word uh, regeneration is only found two times in the New Testament you think, well, regeneration, we talk about it all the time. Surely it will be found over and over and over and over again in the New Testament, but it's not. And the two times that it is used, it means two different things. only one time does it talk about that it it is used that it means the new birth that's in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost He regenerates us. He makes us anew. He recreates us. He makes us into the image of Christ. We are regenerated. This is the new birth. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we have the word regeneration. Now you say, well, how else is it used? Well, in Matthew 19, 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now that's when he makes all things new. That's in the future when all things are made new. When everything is recreated and made new. Then he says to the apostles that they will sit on 12 tribes judging the tribes of Israel. And so that is a regeneration as well. Right. But that's not talking about the new birth. But in Titus he is talking about the new birth. Yes. The regeneration. So we are regenerated. Now I know some that would like to do away with that and say, oh no, no, regeneration is all future. No, no, that's not so. We are born again. We are reborn, regenerated, recreated. When we trust Christ, when we are saved, we're regenerated. That's the maternity ward. But then there's another word, and that word is a Redemption. Regeneration and redemption. Now that comes from the slave market. I think that's probably best pictured in the entire Bible in the book of Hosea. Where God tells Hosea to go and take unto him a wife of whoredoms in chapter number 3. And so he marries Gomer. Uh, By the way, I don't know about a guy marrying a girl named Gomer. That that just... I always think about Gomer Powell when I think about Gomer. But uh, he, married, he married this old gal named Gomer, and she was not faithful to him. As a matter of fact, just from the names of their children, you realize they're not even his kids. And this is an amazing thing, at least the last two, the second two are not, they're not even his kids. And she goes and she leaves him and goes out and takes other lovers. And yet God says to go and buy her back to you. And he goes to the slave market and buys her back. This is a picture of redemption. Not only God buying Israel back and redeeming Israel unto himself, but it's also a picture of him buying the church back from sin and buying us unto himself. It's a picture of his redeeming us with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter number 3. The Bible tells us Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So he has redeemed us, lost, undone, helpless, without hope, on our way to a devil's hell, deserving to go there. I deserve to burn forever in hell without, without any help or hope. But Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law with his own blood on Calvary. So, we have regeneration is one of the three words, and then redemption is another. But then we have the word reconciliation. Reconciliation, my. And we find this word is used more than the other words to tell us what God has done for us. And I will not exhaust this word this morning. There is no way. I can tell you what the word means, I'll do that. I like a dictionary. I like, I told the men this morning at Sunday school, I like a dictionary. I like a dictionary better than I like a lexicon. Uh, Our Bible is given to us in English. We have an English Bible. Now does that mean I never look up a word in Greek or in Hebrew? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Sometimes I do. I think sometimes that I might get a clearer picture by looking a word up. I never look it up just in one lexicon. Because these people that say that they're Greek and Hebrew scholars, they've got to get it from somebody else. Most of them don't. They don't speak fluid Greek. And if they did, they don't have the original text. Right. So we have to trust that God has given us a Bible. Amen. And if I cannot lift this book and say that this Bible, this book is the very Word of God, then I don't have a Bible. If I've got to hold this book up and say that I have the best translation, I'm in trouble. Why? Because somebody else can hold up another one and say, this is the best translation and who am I to argue am I smarter than them or are they smarter than I oh but I've studied I've studied the ancient manuscripts well who made me that smart I've studied I've studied that kind of stuff I've studied for nearly 35 years but who makes me smart enough to figure all that stuff out the Bible is like anything else, spiritually speaking. If you don't take it by faith, you don't take it at all. Whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. I hold this book up and say, this is the word. I've got a Bible. I've got the Bible. I've got the word. of God. Now, now, I said all of this to say this. If I want to know what a word means, I can look in a good English dictionary. Yeah. And generally, that'll satisfy me. So I looked up the word reconciliation. I looked it up. Uh, That's not that hard to do. So I looked it up. And uh, reconciliation, this word comes from the judicial system. Now, regeneration comes from the maternity ward. Redemption comes from, I said it a while ago, now my mind, my mind goes blank on this. Redemption comes uh, from uh, the slave market, <laughs> but reconciliation comes from the judicial system. In our text, all three are descriptions of a sovereign act of God in the New Testament. Reconciliation means a changing of places, coming over from one to the other side. It means to conform to a standard. Now here's what the dictionary says. Reconciliation means to cause to accept or be resigned to something not desired. How many times have you heard somebody say, I wasn't looking for God, he was looking for me? I didn't want God. I wasn't looking for God. You weren't looking for God, but God reconciled us unto himself. That's what reconciliation does. Now, this can be seen, for instance, in the lawsuits. Lawsuits. You may get involved in a lawsuit and the judge may determine that, that you have to pay. And you may not want to, but you don't have a choice in the matter. And God made a decision to reconcile unto himself a people. And it wasn't our choice. Did you get that? Absolutely. But that's what reconciliation is. That's the meaning of it. That's the English definition of the word. Another definition. It means to win over to friendliness. To cause to become amicable. To reconcile hostile persons. In other words, we became glad of it. He not only, he not only did this even though we were not in favor of it but he made us glad of it i am so glad i am and songs have been written about it over and over and over again about happy we are in jesus Amen. We are so glad. He reconciled us. We were lost. We were undone. We were on our way to a devil's hell. We didn't know it. We didn't care. We didn't want anything to do with God. But when God revealed himself to us and he brought us unto himself we looked at where we were and where we would have been and we were thrilled with what God has done for us. He won us over unto himself. We talk about people being people. People, We talk about people being one to Jesus. Well, he won us. He won us over. He won us over unto himself. He reconciled us. He won us to himself. Now, we talk about people winning people to Jesus. Now, you're going to hear it a little bit. I'm fully in favor of telling people about Jesus. We ought to do that. We ought to tell them about how good Jesus is. We ought to tell them about Jesus dying for their sins. We ought to tell them. Now, People may become Christians as a result of that, and I hope that they do. But if there is any winning them to God, it's going to be the Spirit of God that does that. He is the one that will reconcile them unto God. (laughs) Why? Well, he'll win them over. It also means to compose or settle a quarrel or a dispute. You have an argument against God, God will settle it. It's kind of like in a marital or a business dispute. Now, in a marital dispute, both parties are at fault nearly every time, except the wife. No. (laughs) In a marital dispute... I I think that the reality is, whether anybody, anybody wants to admit it or not, both parties are at fault. In a business dispute, generally, both parties are going to be at fault. And for a reconciliation to be brought about, a real reconciliation, both parties have to admit fault. I'm talking about a real reconciliation. Now, there can be a false reconciliation where one will just accept the blame. And you may go on and and you may get through it. There may be a reconciliation that will not be a permanent reconciliation because this thing will come back up again and problems will arise. But when there is a dispute between a man and God or a woman and God, God is never at fault. Amen. there is no sin in God there is no iniquity in God the, iniquity is found in man iniquity has been found in man you say well, well what is that uh, well, all sin is iniquity what is iniquity iniquity comes from two separate words in is a, is a little prefix that means out of The word quitty or equity means balance. To be in iniquity is to be out of balance. We're out of balance with God. It's like a checkbook that's out of balance. It's like the woman I heard about. She, she never could keep the checkbook in balance. And, and, and her husband fussed at her every month about the checkbook being out of balance. And, and one day she brought the checkbook to her husband and it was, it was balanced. Perfectly balanced. And he looked at it and he said, he said, oh, I'm so proud of you. The checkbook is balanced for the first time in years. But then she had a little note at the top that said, E-I-H-S at the top. He said, but what does this mean, E-I-H-S? She said, that means error in here somewhere. (laughs) Sometimes we like to think and pretend and act like that we've got our lives in balance with God, but we know that there's an error in here somewhere. (laughs) And we don't want to just confess our sins and, and make things right with God. But it's not God. See, with her, it wasn't the bank that was having the problem. It was her. She had the she had everything out of balance. and, and she just didn't want to, she just wanted to pretend everything was alright. And people sit on these pews all the time, pretend everything's alright, and it's not. But that's what it means. It means to bring into agreement or harmony, to make compatible or consistent. That's what this is. So we see what reconciliation is. But notice the message. Why do we need to be reconciled? Because of sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everything's out of balance with God. Everybody has sinned. We have all sinned. This world does not conform to God's standard. There's one standard. God says this in Romans 5, 6 through 10, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now get this, for if When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were without strength. Weak. Unable to conform to his standard. That's the message. Weak. Unable. Unable to conform to that standard. We could not live up to it. Well, what is the measure? What is the measure? Under what are we to measure? What is the standard? Well, the standard, first of all, is not the pastor. Now, thank God we have a godly pastor. I thank God for that. And I I think that he could say like the apostle Paul said, Be ye followers of me as dear children. I think he could say that. And I think that we would be safe in doing so. But he is not our ultimate standard. No. And I don't know of any preacher that is. I don't think as good a man as Brother Jerry is. And we honored him a few weeks ago for his service as a deacon here for over 40 years. And as fine a Christian man as he is, he is not our standard. He's not our standard. We have one standard and that's Christ himself. We're to lift our eyes to a goal that is higher than we can attain. Don't ever set your goal low. The standard that we have is inflexible. It is not God who is reconciled to man, but man who is reconciled to God. You see, God is not out of harmony. He's a holy God. And he requires us to be holy. As a matter of fact, he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, you say, but that's that's too hard. That's that's too much. No. But I can't do it. Not by yourself you can't. Not without the hope, not without the help of the Holy Ghost you can't do it. But you are required to be holy. I am required to be holy. Yes. Sir. But but brother David, do you do you make it? Not all the time. I struggle with it just like anybody else does. But that is our goal. That is our goal. Why? Because we have been reconciled unto God. He has given himself for us. It is a just standard that is beyond our grasp. I think about this this weakness that I have in my flesh physically and, and how that if I were to fall, I can't get up. I, I can try. But if I fall, somebody else has to come and help me to my feet. And I think about that spiritually. I try to walk and I try to stand and I, I try and I, I reach forth toward that prize that Paul told us about. I try to live a holy life and walk with God. But sometimes I fall. But I thank God too that I'm not utterly cast down. Sometimes I fall. But when I fall, I have one that is always there to lift me up. For that Holy Ghost that Jesus sent back when he went to heaven lives in me. And when I fall, he's there to lift me up. That does not give me an excuse to fall. As a matter of fact, physically, I do everything I can to not fall. I have people all the time, I'll stumble and I'll trip around and say, well, don't fall. I mean, just like I'm going to do it on purpose. (laughs) And I know they mean well. But, I mean, how stupid do they think I am? I mean, it's really, I'm not going to fall on purpose. <laughs> but uh, they said, don't fall. And I, you know, I appreciate their kindness, but I'm really not that dumb. Uh, I may go ahead and fall anyway, but I'm not going to do it on purpose. I appreciate I appreciate, And we ought to encourage one another. But I think more so, we ought to encourage people more spiritually not to fall. Yes. But when we do, and, and we ought to, as believers, be there to encourage and help people when they fall. Yes. But the Holy Ghost is there, and then notice not only the not only the uh, the meaning and the message and the measure, but notice the matter. How does it happen? How does all this work? Well. Back in our text the world is reconciled uh, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now this does not mean that God has saved everybody and it does not mean that everybody will be saved. Now the the foundation is laid. Yes. In other words, God has sent the Lord Jesus Christ and He has died. And if you'll read your Bible, it'll tell you that He has died for the sins of the world. Reconciliation is provided. Now not everybody's gonna come. But all that will come can come. Yes. The availability is there. Not all are going to come. The only ones that are going to come are those that he draws. Amen. That's all that's going to come then. But they will come. But Jesus' death, and that's the, that's the thing that is being emphasized here. Jesus' death is the basis for reconciliation. No one comes unto God but through the blood of Christ. It is through him. Romans 5, 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And I'm going to go back and read a couple of verses again, Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. For if we were, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. See, that's the only way to come is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that atoned for our sins. Yeah. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God, Jew and Gentile, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby. It is through his finished work at the cross that this takes place. It is by the blood of Romans 5.11 and not only so but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Jesus took our place. I probably told you before about the, the walking stick. Several years ago back, oh this was back when must have been uh, 10 years ago at least back when I was on a walking stick all the time um Brad, my youngest son, he asked me what my favorite Bible verse was. And uh, I don't know that I've got a favorite Bible verse. I, I like all the Bible. I like all of it. I read all of it. and uh, But I, I like the Bible. And he asked me what my favorite verse was. And I, I, I just I gave him the verse. You know, back many, many years ago, it was popular to have what they called a life verse. Do, do any of y'all remember that? <laughs> and I kind of picked out this verse and so I told him what it was. And uh, so Christmas time, I looked and under the Christmas tree, yeah, we had a Christmas tree. And under the Christmas tree, there was this uh, this wrapping paper and I could tell it was a walking cane. I mean, it's hard to wrap a walking cane and not know what it is. And uh, so I, I knew what it was. And I said, oh, no, another Walker's Dick! I already had a barrel full of them, you know and uh, another walking stick and so um, I opened it up and I cried he had cut a uh, little sapling down out of his front yard and he'd stripped the bark off of it and he'd, he'd shellacked that thing up he took a wood burner and he cut this verse burned this verse all the way around that stick from top to bottom 2 Corinthians five twenty one: for it made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him Every time I take it to the post office, somebody'll see it. They'll ask me, "What's that on that stick?" And I get to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Such an opportunity to tell people about Christ. Glorious! I, I cried when I saw that. Uh, the boys always try at Christmas time to outdo the other to see which one can make me cry. <laughs> 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 but but this this passage here. It is that Jesus took our place. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He became sin for us, he took our place. We, we deserved to die. Somebody said they didn't like that song, I Should Have Been Crucified. They said, I wouldn't have done any good if you were crucified. Well, no, it wouldn't. I could have been crucified. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered to a hill of beans. But it was my place to die. I was the one that deserved to die. And he took my place. He took my place. I should have been the one that died. I should have suffered and died. But he took my place. Oh yeah, I'll sing the song. <laughs> I like the song. He is the one that suffered and died that I might live. Oh, thank God! He reconciled me unto Himself. Let me give you one more thing: the messengers of reconciliation. Second Corinthians five verses eighteen through twenty. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us, reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. And and, and notice. In all, in all this, every, every time, is God has done this by Jesus Christ. He's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we are the messengers of reconciliation he's given us that ministry you say well uh, Paul was just talking about him and Luke or him and Timothy or him no 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 he's talking to a church when he says this he's talking to the church at Colossae when he says this Uh, uh, where am I in Corinthians the church at Corinth when he says this He's saying this to the church. He's saying, God has given to us. And if he said it to the church at Corinth, he said it to the church at Mark Tree. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm hmm. You, you better think on this. He's saying that he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of a reconciliation. This is a very, very powerful message. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. This is an office that he has given to the members of the church. We have become ambassadors. This is not the pastors of the churches. This is the members of the churches. We are ambassadors for Christ. These are those who have been reconciled unto God. We are ambassadors for Christ. I don't see where he makes any differentiation here between The apostles or the uh, preachers that are are there doing the preaching, and then the ones to whom he is speaking. He says, Now then, we are. Yes. We are ambassadors for Christ, we are the messengers. We have had committed unto us this ministry. I looked up the word ambassador. I, I told you I like to use a dictionary. <laughs> the word ambassador that just simply means this: a personal representative. Uh, that that puts you in pretty close pretty close standing. Uh, I mean, you're not somebody that just heard this off somewhere off in, a, in the distance. This is somebody that has is has a, a personal relationship. Somebody that is a close, personal, related related individual to the one that has the message. So you have a message to tell. He's given a message and a ministry and a mandate. He didn't give it to the angels, but he gave it to us. We're to tell them the what and the how. And Paul goes on and says this. He says, we beseech you in Christ's stead. This is the message. It's as though Christ himself was telling them and standing there and talking to them. We beseech you in Christ. That's what a personal representative does. You see, when an ambassador overseas uh, represents the United States before a foreign government, he has the full backing of the United States government behind him. Right. He is representing the President of the United States. And he gives them a message and they says this is what the United States of America says and this is our policy. He's the ambassador. Now a consul may not be able to do that but an ambassador can. Yeah. He is the personal representative of the United States government. And we are ambassadors of Christ and we can stand and say, I beseech you in Christ's stead. That's that's a powerful position to be in. Be ye reconciled unto God. are his messengers. Why? Because he deigned or he stooped to lift us out of our sin and to reconcile us unto himself and to make us children of God. And he says now you go. He told his disciples before he left this world, go ye therefore We read it in Sunday school this morning. Go ye therefore and baptize all nations. He said, Go ye therefore into all the world. I can't even, I can't even quote it now. I've quoted that verse, that passage for hundreds of years. <laughs> we said, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, always even to the end of the world. Go. Tell. Go and tell them. Mm -hmm. Baptizing them and teaching them. We have a message. We have a mandate. In conclusion, first of all, have you been reconciled unto God? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? I beseech you, if you do not, come to Christ. Come to Christ. He said if you'd come to him, he would in no wise cast you out. Amen. Okay. If you've never come to Christ, come to Christ. And then if you know him, I beseech you. I beseech you, go and tell others. Tell us. Our churches are not filled And one reason that I failed, and I know we're in the last days. I know we're in the end times. And I know that it's going to be harder to reach people than it ever has been. I understand that. That does not mean that our mouths should be silent. We should still be telling people that Jesus died for them. Amen.